And it's because we build all these psychological techniques of figuring out who is somebody that will play the game, but not control the game. Today, I'm speaking with Scott Crampton, the founder of American Immersion Theater. For the last 15 years, Scott has refined the art form of social immersion and helped to grow the broader world of immersive entertainment. The ridiculous amount of training that goes in is almost overkill. He's gone from puking on stage in grade school to running one of the most ambitious pursuits in immersive theater to date. I have a good shot to get to seven, maybe 7,500 shows just this year alone. The path leading from one point to the other is quite interesting, and I think you'll enjoy this conversation. And then I saw this thing that changed my whole life. One, two, three, four, and we're going. Hi, I'm Nathaniel Scott, the host of the Immersion Nation podcast. Here, we speak with the masters of immersion in an attempt to understand the cultural revolution that is immersive entertainment. Welcome. Scott. Just to start out with, um, for those of our listeners who aren't super familiar with you, um, do you just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and telling us a little bit about what you do? Uh, Sure. So um, I am the founder and CEO of American Immersion Theater, uh, which is a company that runs quite a few different things that I'm also the founder of. Uh, So the Murder Mystery Company is kind of our flagship uh, we do immersive murder mystery dinners. Uh, we do a tremendous, tremendous amount of them. Uh, we do princess parties. I run the princess party company. I run the superhero experience. I run famous for a day. And uh, we also do atmospheric entertainment. Uh, famous for a day is kind of like a company in which you get to be famous for like 30 minutes, an hour, a day, whatever you want to pay for. Uh, and it's kind of a surprise thing that we would do downtown. So, for example, let's say you're getting married and one of your buddies throws this for you. You come out of a bar and then suddenly you're surrounded by paparazzi. They're like, sky, sky. Uh, yeah. Tell us who you're wearing. What's what? Uh, what's happening with you and Angelina Jolie? As I date myself, that's not even a very popular actress anymore. <laughs> but uh, so we do that. And then atmospheric entertainment is for people that have ideas with actors that they've always wanted to do, but they don't know what to how to basically kind of pull it off. So we've done right, atmospheric right. events for Coca-Cola, for example, where oh, wow. we uh, married. Um, we're, we're really there. We're both their team builders and their crazy idea people. So they wanted to marry Coca-Cola to McDonald's in a big ceremony. <laughs> and we did that. So we literally had a whole wedding thing and we made, married the Coca-Cola bear to the, uh, to the hamburger. And both uh, those people didn't know they were doing it or getting married before it started. So it was full oh, immersion right. uh, and surprise immersion, which I'm both for and against uh, quite a bit. So that's a little bit just about like what, what we do. Um, we're the largest company in America for theater by volume. We did 6,500 shows just last year. So that's 2018. Oh, wow. Yeah, We have about 2,000 actors that are rotated and we have 
you know, we're in reality, we see probably like 4,000. We've been in business over 15 years and uh, we just were set, setting records this year. So we have a good shot to get to seven, maybe 7,000. So they wanted to marry Coca-Cola to McDonald's in a big ceremony. <laughs> and we did that just within the year. So in total, oh, right. we've done, uh, I actually don't know, but it's well over like 30,000. In total, for in the, totality the, of my life, yes, <laughs> I personally done a thousand of those. So I did the first like thousand. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Is there anybody in the company who has done more shows than you at this point? Or are you still uh, yes, uh, Justin has surpassed me. So our national director, Justin Isa, he, um, I started about two three years before him at a lower volume time and mm-hmm. i was doing shows you know probably more than him for quite a while because he was just doing chicago he's also he runs our chicago branch oh, as right. a national director but he has surpassed a thousand and i probably do about 30 a year right now i'm actually you're catching me i'm just about to head off to the middle east and europe for five uh, five weeks oh my gosh what's just, the occasion um so we we basically uh, were were entertainers for the military, like things like Bob Hope. So okay. we go in, we do immersion theater for the military. Uh, we it's murder mysteries for the most part. Right now we're building; they're building some tours for us that have like improv night or princess parties. But right now, uh, this particular one is just nonstop murder mystery dinner. So we touch down, do a dinner, touch down, do a dinner, touch down, do a dinner. It's crazy. It's like we're in no place for more than 24 hours. It's, it's, it's lunacy. Yeah. That's four or five weeks. Basically. I would not have guessed, um, that, that the immersion had spread that far. I honestly didn't know that it started to poke outside of just the kind of, you know, traditional entertainment space. Cause I'm more familiar with it just confined to specifically immersive theater, you know, of course. So, Giant sleep, no more meow wolf, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, we ours is kind of like the opposite spectrum of meow wolf. Like meow wolf is basically full design immersion, and we're full interaction game immersion. So we actually have almost no design. Uh, the design is in the game itself, mm-hmm. similar to like if I was if we were board games. Uh, sleep no more meow wolf would be like fireball island and we would be uh cards against humanity we basically bring the cards in the game but there's no board right, uh, right. <laughs> the board is wherever they tell us the board is and wherever we sit we wherever we're actually doing it which so I, that's kind of what it is which i would imagine would make the kind of the social design of the experience almost a little bit easier because with things like sleep no more and meow wolf it's very much just oh you're putting a group into into a box into an environment and then using that environment to shape their experience whereas with something that has such a heavy social component you can actually shape that social space that creates the immersion well the actors have to be trained and they are they're tra- the ridiculous amount of training that goes in it's almost overkill yeah, I can uh, imagine. Uh, it's, it's about three weeks uh before they really get out to do a show mm-hmm. uh there's three rounds of auditions to be able to get in to do a show like to get part of the troupe Right, right. Uh, and then it is a wow. little bit like Uber after that. You can just turn it off if you don't want to do it for a while and go back. You know, if you get a major gig in May, you can come back. Oh, that's really uh, cool. Cheap plug if you're looking to be part of the troupe, go to AIT.careers. <laughs> uh, that's AIT.careers. Um, but um, 
basically, as far as the design goes, it, it's interesting because, like, if you go around a Meow Wolf or a Sleep No More, maybe Meow Wolf because that's the more intensive, like, uh, design element where it's less actor intensive. So you go around Meow Wolf and you're deciding where you want to go. There's a lot of free flow. They do have some actors. There is a story that you kind of uncover and you don't really have a time and space where ours is much more of a game and our actors have to be trained psychologically to make sure that people get, um, you know, just the right amount, like that 20, 30% get it right. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have a fixed ending, which makes that much, much tougher uh, and then we have all these different elements. We, tr- we we always brag that we trust the customer more than any other company in the world. And I really do mean that uh, because when you write down what we do on paper, it makes no sense. But if you're uh, actually doing it, it works completely. And it's because we build all these psychological techniques of figuring out who is somebody that will play the game but not – control the game not like be too much of a ham but yeah. won't be scared to play finding uh, that sweet spot and, yeah and then we also have these kind of um a little bit of back and forth of like some people can be wallflowers but they get to be detectives and solve the crime mm-hmm. but we try to make sure in a nutshell that everybody leaves the story of something that happened to them and that's true with all of our stuff whenever we're starting something new we want to change it we want to turn it on its ear and say how can this be about the customer more how can we immerse them differently even with something you wouldn't think yeah. it's kind of innocuous like to say princess parties um princess parties we came in and we were watching what everybody else did and what most princess parties are is they're like hey i'm bell i'm going to come in i'm going to come in like a mass celebrity i'm going to have a bunch of demands kind of thing Mm -hmm. i'm not saying they're demanding stuff the kids but like there's a lot of like here's 20 things you have to do before bell comes to your house kind of right right and then when she comes there she does is she basically performs Mm -hmm. uh it's not about the kid it's about hey kid you get to meet a princess uh, which is a little bit similar to um, what Disney does as well. Right. Um, but what we wanted to do is say, how can we make it just about making the, for this example, a little girl that it's her birthday. How can we make her the princess? Right. So they come in. The first thing they do is they crown that little girl princess. And then they do kind of a story time uh, that lulls them into feeling more safe and secure, whereas opposed to most princes sing, which if you ever had carolers come to your house, that's a terrifying experience, <laughs> let alone the, if you're 10 or 8 and it's a celebrity, which you might not think like Belle's a celebrity, but if you're 8 years old, Belle is a celebrity. Oh, yeah. And you don't necessarily think like, oh, why isn't she a cartoon? Uh, you think, you know, she's a celebrity. <laughs> and no, that's, that's a good of, point. I never thought about it like that. Yeah. So it's terrifying. I mean, imagine if George Clooney came to your house and then just opened up with singing in your living room. It, you don't even know how to react. And <laughs> a lot of Princess Party, like, not a lot, basically every Princess Party group in the country was doing that. And we turned that on its ear. And then we have like a makeover experience because we're like, well, what would be better than getting your makeup done by a princess? Right. So it's all about turning the child into the princess so that they leave feeling empowered. Mm-hmm. Uh, same is true with the superheroes, but a little different, obviously. There's not as much makeup sessions with Batman. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> um, want to think, although... Thinking about that costume, I would imagine that there's probably a lot of makeup that goes in that. I can't even imagine. <laughs> he, bl- he blocks out his eyes. Um, there. <laughs> it ta- uh, for Batman, uh, he blocks out his eyes, and it takes almost like a half an hour to put the costume fully on. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like 20 pieces. It's kind oh, of obnoxious. So. 
it's a it's a labor of love it is um so all right so i i have to ask someone who has spent so much time and inside of entertainment um and of course has kind of you run the gamut in so far as poked at different parts of the world of entertainment in every way i'm curious if you had to live if you had to choose in one fantasy world to live in what world would you choose so what world do I love the most or what world would I want to live in? What world do you want to live in? Although you can you can give both answers if you like. Okay, to. so my favorite worlds are like Willy Wonka or mm-hmm. Buffy. Mm-hmm. As far as like what world I want to live in, I mean, probably like a My Little Pony or something like that, <laughs> uh, where we all have powers, everybody's insanely nice to each other, <laughs> and I walk on a cloud. Uh, that sounds better. Uh, but if I'm going to pick for this kind of thing, I'm going to say Willy Wonka, even though that world's actually kind of cruel yeah, uh, yeah but that's my favorite like uh, and it's brief too like it only has you know relatively two books about it uh about the world but that is my that is probably that's my favorite thing growing up that's uh, my i think there's a term called churning town where it's kind of like everything you do in, is inspired from this one particular thing and i often feel like right. everything is inspired for me by this one particular thing uh of willy wonka so including the my diet um, well, not <laughs> not the Johnny Depp movie, but the books in the movie, yes, yeah, the Gene Wilder, <laughs> but not the not the Johnny Depp, the, yeah, yeah. Um, not that at all. So, and I feel like ashamedly uneducated in the world of Willy Wonka. Oh, I didn't I can actually teach you. know there were books. Well, I knew that there was a book. I didn't know there were books. Plural. There's two. Yeah, there's uh, there's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is the original book, right? And right. then the next one is Willy Wonka and the Great Glass Elevator, and then oh. of course the movie is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, because uh, they wanted the lead. It was produced by Quaker Oats, and they got the rights to do a Wonka bar. And so they huh. produced this movie, and uh, then they decided not to do it, but they changed it to Willy Wonka because they thought it would be more name recognizable. So they did the whole movie and then decided that they didn't want to do the bars of chocolate. So they didn't even have a premiere to it. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> I like that, that the whole the inception of the movie came from like a, it's an a ad. market bar. It's an ad. I like strategy. It, yeah, there's so much stuff from my childhood that were just long form ads. Like He Man was a long form ad. G.I. Joe was a long form ad. Willy Wonka was a long form <laughs> ad. Uh, Willy Wonka really worked on me, though. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm yeah. like, I, I defy you to both watch Willy Wonka and then not eat chocolate. Uh, oh, like, impossible. It's physically impossible. <laughs> Um, oh, and just for audience to wrap back around um, to the famous for a day that you had mentioned. Yeah, um, there's actually a really excellent BuzzFeed video because um, mm-hmm. it is a little tricky to describe. Um, but I would say that's super worth checking out. It is absurdly hilarious. Um, and that will be in the show notes if anybody is curiosity there. Absurdly hilarious. I think that's a new <laughs> word. It's almost like absurd, but absurd. I kind of like it better, actually. Absurd. Absurdly <laughs> hilarious. Um, so I'm curious if you could tell us a little bit about um, what drew you to immersion in the first place. Like, immersion and entertainment overall. Like, what is it that 
brought you to this world where you knew that it was there was there like a particular light bulb moment or i actually did have like i had a spite bulb moment (laughs) um so i was more in the cleft palate uh if you're reading interviews about me that's something people tend to lock on a lot uh because it's an obvious story it's kind of like when you know those runners and one of them missing a leg or something like that Mm -hmm. i'm not in that category of hero to be clear i don't want to get a tweet (laughs) about that but um it is like that because you know i was born the doctors told me i wouldn't be able to speak over the phone of course they didn't tell me that they told my parents i was i was probably in the room but i was zero years old so i don't know i don't know if they told me that (laughs) um but you know and then i had like seven surgeries nine i think in total oh wow um and i did speech therapy for about 19 years and how old are you when you were going through the surgery process uh my last surgery was like 13 or 14 might have been it wasn't 15 yeah yeah my last surgery i think was like 13 or 14 that's really just kind of throughout your entire formative yeah yeah i mean a lot of the major ones were like one two three years old and stuff Mm -hmm. um and then if i had speech therapy until i like just into college basically wow i was doing just kind of it on my own so to speak um i was lucky the school really had like speech therapists there at the school which i think is something that's basically cut now Mm -hmm. uh but i was lucky um so yeah, yeah, they. I remember in fourth grade the 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 story that I've told so often. But if you've happened to never heard it, I was in fourth grade and um, the speech therapist was talking to my parents. They were saying he's doing so amazing. It's like a man with a club foot running in the Olympics. Uh, we never predicted that this could happen. And then I remember she turns and laughs. She, she's like, he could do almost anything. And then she laughs and says, I mean, not public speak or something, but anything else. Yeah. And at that moment, like I switched, I just on a dime switched. Uh, <laughs> like I had ball. in my head. Yeah. That was my spite ball moment. <laughs> uh, very close to a light ball moment, but a spite ball. Um, and I, I just demanded I was going to do that. And I was interestingly enough, at that time, terrified of theater, hated theater, uh, oh. really hated theater. And, okay. um, yeah, I mean, I like the last time I had been on stage was um, I threw up. Yeah, and but I you had a foray. Yeah, I like literally had had to run off stage and vomited um, on so the floor. It wasn't like you hadn't touched theater. You had. You knew it, it, it was like I did terrible. Yeah. yeah. And then the other one was uh, the other moment we did like a dance to Chattanooga Choo Choo with just oh. like the meanest, bulliest, <laughs> nerdy kids with like a collection. And I just got berated for doing that one. I had no other options. Oh, no. They forced me to do it. I remember. In, oh, no. I remember I called the teacher's bluff like in third grade or something. And she's like, uh, well, if you're not going to do the play, uh, and it wasn't really a play, you know, it's like the BS stuff they give to children. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, if you're not doing the play, then uh, for when they're rehearsing, I'll need you in here doing homework. And I'm like, that's fine. Uh, I, I'm on board. <laughs> and then she's like, you're doing the play. <laughs> like, <Yeah. that> was, <laughs> she didn't want to do it. She just assumed that I wouldn't do it if she said that. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, no, 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 homework's fine. I'd rather do homework than a play. I love that. So even at third grade, you already kind of were like, I, I you, hated, you had yeah. that assertiveness I, built I, in. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hated theater. And obviously it's from a lens. I was probably more like, could I please have the homework? Uh, <laughs> yeah, fair more enough. More porridge, fair enough. sir. May I have another? Um, <laughs> I was apparently an English wafy child. <laughs> um, 
but uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, I went from there and I started doing it and I got into an amazing program called that was experimental in Michigan called Capo, which is creative and performing arts with teachers that were currently in the acting field. And it was taught at what they call the college level. And I okay. got decimated, like beyond decimated. I remember sitting around, I always remember sitting around, I'm 15 years old. It, like first day or two of high school right and everybody's in this big circle it's like there's like four other guys and like 30 girls so i did make at least one right choice there <laughs> um, throughout my high school career there was at least uh, that. and they yeah. were all like just ridiculously good looking for you know their age right um and like they're going around like one guy's like oh i have my own tv show on cable access and other guys like uh, another girl's like, oh, I'm a guest jeans model. Another person's like, I just got off of doing a show in Detroit. And I'm like, uh, I threw up once on stage. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I got nothing. <laughs> oh, I man, have nothing. I can't even imagine. You're sitting there as a little like, yeah, freshman I, in high school. Yeah. It's like, oh, my God. It occurred to me, you know, at that point in time that I was really behind. Uh, because they had been spending this their whole time working their butts off, trying to make it, trying to really make it work. And here we are, uh, here I am, and I've been working my butt off trying to talk like them. So all right. my free time was just into talking like them. And I mm-hmm. still only kind of did. Uh, like, it took a long time before I was not just talking like this. Right, uh, right. And in middle in elementary school, I was full on Urkel. I was... Did I do that? I was throwing my way. I sound like this. Yeah. So it took just, I mean, endless amount of time to try to uh, learn how to phonetically speak in a slightly different way and all this different stuff. Um, So what happened for me is, this sounds ridiculous, but I just chose to keep working and never drink, never party, never do drugs. And I started lenting focus. Yeah. And I just caught up. But what I always had in there is I grew up kind of poor. I was very supported by my parents. They were amazing. Yeah. But um, I grew up kind of poor. And then I grew up without getting parts, really. I had to work really hard to get parts, which was, you know, I was a guy, too. So it was, you know, (laughs) competing against a few people. If I was a girl, I I would have had like a part in high school once. Mm -hmm. But um, I had to work really hard to get all that stuff. And I was left with this feeling of never having a part. Mm-hmm. You know, what does that feel like? And I grew up with a dad who was really, really funny. Uh, and he could have been in acting or showbiz or stuff like that. But he had a kid and he ended up working a factory job his whole life. And when you kind of think about, you know, how that is for so many people, I think we forget in entertainment what it's really like uh, for the majority of people. Uh, we're in an insane time right now. This is the largest uh, Robert Reich said in 2017, this is double the best economy that's ever happened in America. And yet it is almost almost none of it is going to the middle and lower classes. Yeah. So there's more money, more privilege, more everything. And it's just going right to the top. So mm-hmm. more and more people are just struggling to make it, struggling to do this. And they have to give up on their dreams. And that is heartbreaking. And they never really get that part. So when I started having the opportunity to kind of create something, what I wanted is what would it be like if people got their real opportunities to shine? 
Yeah. What would it be like for, and at that time we weren't calling it immersion or experiential theater. Uh, I think I was calling it screwing with people. <laughs> a lot of times, like it was just, you know, we do stuff that was amusing and funny, but like more and more, every show I wrote, it was more and more audience stuff, yeah. more and more yeah. things. Um, one of the people that works at American Immersion Theater is Michael Hare, which I actually wrote three plays that were produced with. Oh, and wow. yeah, a lot of people don't know that. We don't talk much about that because <laughs> it's just plays. Um, but I hit this point <laughs> in plays. time when I was doing plays and I, <laughs> I remember I, I wrote a play called Superheroes in Hell. And the idea was there's a bunch of these superheroes and they die and they went to hell and they're very confused and they can't understand why they would be there. They don't understand what's happening. Uh, They don't understand why they don't have their powers. They think it might be an evil villain plot. And in reality, I had a reviewer get it dead on, like dead on the nose. Mm -hmm. They said, "I, I can't help but feel that this entire play was built around the idea that there was a man who used to throw eggs that exploded and he would have an opportunity to just throw regular eggs at actors and hit them in the face. (laughs) And that is why I wrote that. They were dead on Uh, because I just like the idea of like screwing with actors kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. like just giving them something like funny, like, you know, amused me. I came up with the idea of like, what's the most hidden way I could ever get somebody to throw an egg in somebody else's face. Because uh, oh, I love yeah. seeing that. I think it's super funny. And um, so you were coming from that place. And like, I was. I and, then, an and then eventually the it was, and then it morphed into, I got this thing with murder mysteries. Um, where I was very lucky, almost completely randomly to get just walking down the street kind of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and where somebody came up to me and was like, hey, Scott, how are you doing, man? Do you know a murder mystery company? And I'm like, no. He's like, you want to be one? I'm like, okay. And literally, <laughs> Literally, that's how this started. It was that randomly simple. And I kept moving more and more stuff. Like one of my original ideas, and it's so dumb and it's actually dangerous. Mm-hmm. But I was like, well, what's a fun way to tell if somebody's dead? And I'm like, well, what if the audience puts a pie in their face? So, like, we'd have an actor die, and I'm like, there's only one way I can think of to t- check to see if they're still breathing. And they put a pie in their face. But what you don't think about is then they can't breathe. So <laughs> we did that one time and the actors were the actor was like, I held my breath for a minute. Oh, you could no. not have dragged me off fast enough. It is terrifying. <laughs> like pie, pies are very submersive. I believe like, that. I believe yeah, that. It's a like, very tight it, seal there. Yeah, <laughs> it ends up being like a very tight seal. So and more and more. And then I, I realized that just pointing out things that were happening to the audience was more engaging. And then I saw this thing that changed my whole life. Um, And I'm probably running way over time here. (laughs) But uh, I saw a boy from Oz. So it was me and a bunch of wrestling friends were going to WrestleMania in New York. Mm -hmm. And Hugh Jackman is doing a boy from Oz. And, uh, you know, uh, what was it? X-Men just came out. So he's Wolverine to us. And we're like, yeah, let's do it. And a boy from Oz, look. It's great. It's there's a lot of positive things to say about it, uh, but he is definitely not Wolverine in that movie. And for those or who that, explained uh, to you um, in that brief musical. summary of uh, Boy from Oz, okay, so A Boy from Oz is it's a musical. I think it has 26 songs in it. It's absurd. Like they sing 
all the time. It's about some guy. Um, I barely can remember. It's Hugh Jackman, I think, trying to make it on Broadway, which is I find always very obnoxious. I'm like, can't we write something on Broadway that's not about making it on Broadway? It's like <laughs> it, it would be fun if it was actually meta and like people got up on stage and they tried to make it on Broadway, right, like an right. American Idol scenario. But it's mm-hmm. not. It's just like talking about somebody's life and they couldn't think of a different story than their own story. Think of something that relates to other people that aren't on Broadway for a second. Uh, but anyway, he sings forever, but it was Broadway Cares, and I just, I I could not care about this play any less. Mm-hmm. It was not humanly possible. I paid a lot of money to go see it, and I just, I wanted to leave so bad. Right, So right. bad. But when he came out, he did an entire, like, half-hour bit with the crowd. In, oh. At Broadway, I mean, big thing, right? But he did this half-hour bit, and I noticed nobody left. Nobody got up to go to the bathroom, and he was just, like, selling his T-shirt, taking it off, you know, and, and that's why some people were there, certainly. Um, <laughs> uh, but he was, uh, you know, he was selling things and, you know, handing it up, interacting. Yeah. And at that point in time, I'm like, this should be the whole show. Everybody left, and I'm not joking, there was a huge line at the bathroom when he went back off stage and the play started again. Right. Because people were like, well, I missed the play, but I'm not going to miss the spontaneity of spontaneity of him interacting. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. And that part was so special. I, I remember some of the things he did. And at that point in time, I'm like, it should all be interacting. Yeah. Every bit of it. And I try, I did try a murder mystery once where it's no act one, act two, act three, and that's too confusing for people. Right, so we still right. have that in concept, but we, our immersion part is investigation time where everybody's up, everybody's moving around. They're talking mm-hmm. to people mm-hmm. in the crowd that are also suspects that have their own little backstories, but had no idea they're going to be suspects before the show had started. And that was our first glimpse and we tried that and it worked and we just go went further and further with bringing costumes for the customers and just immersing them further and further yeah and i've never been let down i've been let down so many times in my life by people in theater but when i get uh, by almost never get let down by customers watching theater who become theater theater. that because that's their big break sounds like sin's boy from oz is another variety of light bulb moment yes life is now just oriented around figuring out how to eventually make broadway an immersive theater of some kind yes oh my god i have i have something called how to fake it on broadway uh that i want to do sometime in my life it's nothing to do with anything i do but like uh well it's, it's nothing to do with something i'm doing right now but the idea is simple um, there's one reviewer that's coming and this guy's an actor, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody else in the crowd is part of a con. So all the okay. crowd, when you buy a ticket, you're considered an extra. Oh. And this guy is trying to get a good review uh, for his play, but he can only afford to do it like once. And if he gets a good review, he might be able to like, you know, keep it going. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing centers around like when when the when the theater producer comes up, everybody's trying to act professional. Right, right. Uh, but before he not theater producer, sorry, theater critic comes up, right. everybody's trying to act but then he'll like go to the bathroom in the middle and the show will just stop. 
and <laughs> it will be about like the audience and like us like working with them oh, and the actors go out to run the concessions and run the tickets and it the actors are doing everything and you're immersed in this and you're part of it and I probably shouldn't tell it because I don't know if I I'm going to have to rush out and get a website um, but <laughs> do it microsite it <laughs> yes I need to microsite that um, that but yeah bit. that that's what I want to do on Broadway that's what I really want to do if I ever was to do a stadium seating show which I generally do, kind of despise stadium seating yeah, yeah but I understand enough. like that's how I would engage people mm-hmm. and like the program would be wildly different uh, like the produ- uh, the critic would have one program mm-hmm. and the the other people would have another and the show would just be falling apart <laughs> uh, behind them uh, like kind a little bit like the play goes wrong and I had the idea pre that not that it's super original or anything like that the play right, that goes right. wrong is fantastic if you haven't seen it and they do some immersion in there where they go out into the crowd and things it's oh, great okay uh, they're standing in line I, I stood right be- in front of them for concessions mm-hmm. like they were and then the director came by and grabbed them and I and that was really an amazing moment for the play goes wrong yeah, but yeah I loved the idea I love the idea of like this guy it's all being done for one person. Okay. And he just leaves sometimes, and then everything just stops, and we're trying to find actor replacements, mm-hmm. and there's no budget, and the crew guys are going crazy, and everybody can kind of see that happening um, as they, we try to kind of muddle through this play. And I wanted to try tying a love story, which, frankly, I'm really bad at. That's my weakness. <laughs> I'm really bad at doing that. So Having that heavy-hitting yes. emotional context drama, yeah. Yes. yeah. So I'm the most talkative person on Earth. Uh, so maybe what, what, do you, uh, what should we talk about next? I think that's like one question and a 45-minute answer. Well, I think, I think that's absolutely amazing. Um, and honestly, at this point in time, we might have to turn this into a two-part episode. Um, <laughs> pending everybody's uh, willingness to work or listen with us through this um, roller coaster amazing journey. Um, but as we proceed forward here, um, I so we have a segment called Make It Immersive, right? Okay. So, gonna make it immersive. You just kind of did that, as it turns out. However, um, if you would like, we can go for another yeah. round. Yeah, let's try, let's try um, making it immersive. Because like, your, your skill, your talent at taking something and, you know, spitballing an idea has already been proven. So uh, <laughs> well, why not, why not just go for a round two? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> let's try it. So make it immersive. Sounds good. Um, and all right. So I'm tempted to go for Willy Wonka there. Um, yeah. But that said, I almost feel like it's too easy because you're so, going through and you have all these things. Well, so. Walker is interestingly enough the like it is he walks you through an immersive show it's really what Willy Wonka exactly, does and exactly. they want to take us to an immersive show so um I think part of it is part of if you were to do a Willy Wonka world um I mean obviously it's partly how you get tickets that's right. a big thing mm-hmm. you know I'd almost want to send people like chocolate bars in the mail with the golden tickets oh, so they have yes, that yes. kind of experience mm, that would and be that, absolutely necessary yeah um, <laughs> it would have to be something other than chocolates god chocolates hard to send through the mail um, the, the <laughs> most fictitious thing <laughs> the most fictitious thing in that movie is how clean that uh, ticket is because it would definitely have chocolate on it <laughs> be melted and just <laughs> soaked would, into the bar yeah itself. it would be melted and soaked <laughs> into the bar itself absolutely um 
Um, so uh, anyway, um, so I'd want that to happen. I think the surprise in the entrance is a big thing. But mm-hmm. as far as like Willy Wonka goes, again, you, you can take people through so much of it. I One thing I've tried and wanted to think of so much is how do you make that world uh, the 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 big one, the one that everybody wants to talk right, about, right. which is the taste it room, and yes, how do you the make Schnauzberries. that? Yes, how do you make that sanitary? Um, <laughs> I I have racked my head with that so much. I have learned that it is almost impossible to have a chocolate river. Um, I know. Uh, yes, it I, is. It, it's a you you've know. Done it, the research though. I I have. Uh, we we try. We had something like this. I can't remember when I was trying to do. It. I think it was in college mm-hmm. um, for a big event that I was planning. And oh my god, the cost on doing like a miniature version of a chocolate river. And I, I know they have. They have chocolate fountains, right? <laughs> right. But right. like, I was thinking something a little bit bigger, where it like was on a table, a river, and then it, has it to be. and then it flowed. But there is almost no pumps that can take chocolate up and keep it going. Mm. And you have to have it at a certain temperature. So this is a heated pool, so to speak. Right, right. You know, like so this is a heated pool of chocolate thing. And then, I mean, Wonka should have killed Augustus because if he spent $30 million on this chocolate river and Augustus got his hands in it, draining the chocolate river would cost... (laughs) <laughs> you know, uh, probably like $10 million. Right, right. So and all that beautifully oxygenated chocolate. Just... Exactly. And what a ridiculous concept, too. Like, oh, you need to oxygenate it. But um, <laughs> so that's really hard. I think one thing that could be doable is the, the, cho- the cups mm-hmm. that are flowers. I think that would be doable because you kind of finish it, knead it. Okay. Um, yeah. You do the AstroTurf. You do the ground. You don't uh, the gummy bears are doable. That's mm-hmm. do, uh, the ball that she gets is doable, and that's one of the most amazing things. Right. The ball right. filled with chocolate, like so. That's big oh, yeah. balloon type thing filled mm-hmm. with chocolate. That's doable. The mushroom is interesting. So, uh, if you did the mushroom, and the mushroom is, if you forget, it's basically like Twinkie cream, okay. so to speak, right. in the dots of the giant mushroom. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you were to do that, that is a tremendous amount of Twinkie cream. Like, if you filled the whole thing. If yeah, you filled if the you whole filled thing. the thing. Like, the thing about, like, it's just, it's really expensive, and I can't, fi- like, you'd have to go in, and people would, you'd have to give them, like, socks, to wear you know you'd right, have to right. give them like a hairnet mm-hmm. it would be the problem with it is it would just become disgusting so fast right right um and people have done amazing things with Willy wonka i've been to a Willy wonka haunted house oh interesting. i have i've been to a, huh. a wonka themed haunted house and that plays very very well i uh because it is terrifying that. you have that tunnel book <clears throat> It is an absolutely terrifying scenario. And suddenly everything just off the rails. I just remember being terrified by that scene. Yes. Yes. Um, And that's interesting. Um, One thing that's in the lore of Willy Wonka, which I'm sure is why you kept me on the show, is to talk about Willy Wonka lore. Exactly. Um, Exactly. (laughs) So one thing that's in that Willy Wonka uh, lore is why is there exactly that many seats on that boat? Hmm. There's not enough room for Augustus and his mother. They take up every seat on that boat. Oh, and then, and right, if you watch right. the vehicles, the vehicles all say, you know, uh, the vehicles all don't have enough room. There should be technically on the, uh, what is it, the Wonka 
uh, he spells it backwards, so I can't remember. It's, oh, I don't know. It goes to the Wonka Wash. It's powered by f- basically fizzy lifting drink. Yeah, And yeah. it's a vehicle, and it gets, you know, fizzy foam on everybody that looks right, so fun. Right, And oh, that yeah. could be doable. That is a doable thing. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that you could do. That would almost do. make up for the lack of chocolate ribbon. Yes, <laughs> but people would be so upset. I know, um, I know. But... <laughs> that is that that only has enough seats for like four people. Yeah, that's Wonka. creepy. That's creepy. So when you say it like that, I've always been interested in the idea that Willy Wonka is an acronym for heaven and hell. Um, not an acronym, <laughs> a uh, you know analogy, and, like yeah, analogy, yeah, yeah. What have so you? So Willy Wonka is God. Slugworth is the devil tempting okay. the kids the kids all basically represent the seven deadly sins and if you think that they don't because there's not enough of them remember there's that fake guy that fakes his own ticket which ha- which is for envy oh. so you get you can get all of them in there pretty easily right, uh, right. with the seven deadly sins I talked to Mike TV and I've talked uh, about this theory the kid, oh what uh, the kid who plays him um, no way yeah I'm a I'm a big fan uh, his name's uh Peter Ostermeyer? No, that Peter Ostermeyer is Charlie, and my okay. TV is. I'm blanking. I'm looking at uh, Paris. Paris Thyman. Paris Thyman. Uh, <laughs> so go, I talked to Paris, it. and he was unaware of this kind of concept. Uh, but there is a lot of fan co- things around that idea that mm-hmm. Wonk is essentially God. He's letting you into paradise. Explains why everybody wants this so badly. Explains why it's only children. Explains uh, so many different things, and then they're tempted, and there's this. They represent the seven deadly sins, and there's all this parody, and uh, like technically in many ways you know the devil and god have worked together many different times in the bible right right you have that kind of thing where at the end it's like oh slugworth he works for me oh that's interesting it's not really slugworth obviously i can't remember that guy and then it raises the question it's like okay even if you know that next vehicle had two less seats just because frankly it was cheaper on their production budget to do it Mm -hmm. even if it does then raise questions about like but the story writing in the first place did some of that subconsciously come through just because, you know, those are yeah, consistent those are themes, themes that show yeah. up in stories. You the, know, the, the, the original one is much more violent. Like, she, uh, Veruca Salt gets torn apart by squirrels. Oh, yeah. She's oh. dead. She's murdered by <laughs> squirrels. There, there's no She's golden gir- gooses mm-hmm. uh, in the Broadway play um, or the musical, I think, that they did. She is torn apart by squirrels. They take her head. Wow. Uh, and it's pretty, they no do it in a bar. funny way. Uh, and they don't use children except for Charlie. It's all adults. And, right, right. You know, one of them is kind of Trumpish. Mike TV has <laughs> a Trump vibe oh, to Mike TV. Oh, But where I sense. decided that Wonka couldn't be a full immersive, immersive experience is when I saw their set for the tasting room mm-hmm. and they had to miniaturize it. Right, right. And fake the whole thing. And that's on Broadway. Yeah. And I'm like, if Broadway feels like they can't do it, Mm-hmm. And it's controlled that much. And that was a big letdown for everybody. No, and that that's my sense. concern is any in, in always be careful what you're picking with properties, because if the idea is going to be such a letdown, like the end result, you can't do it. Right. right. There are certain things that are tough to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be one of them. I think Wonky is one of the toughest ones to accomplish because. Everybody's gonna want to There's taste so it. much surrealism, and everybody wants yeah. to taste it. Yeah, and some things are so, so easy you get tor- you get torn away, but like in reality, yeah, you're going you're going to fail because 
without the chocolate river do you have wonka like right right you know what can you do at that point in time yeah like you have to a tasting room a tasting room is going to be a thousand dollars a person (laughs) and the cleanup (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. because you have to replace it every single time yeah i mean i'd be cautious of to be this uh, wouldn't you be cautious to be like the third group in the tasting room <laughs> like uh, like did somebody else put their like hand in touching the, the wall seeing if it's yeah they're like lick this wallpaper and i'm like uh <laughs> it looks wet still are you sure yes <laughs> oh and for everybody who's listening just in case there was any doubt we are officially rebranding the show to be specifically about willy wonka yes and willy wonka fan theories willy wonka fan, fan theory <laughs> podcast um <laughs> nothing to do with immersive let All me right. say this though before yeah, you, yeah, uh, before i know you're going to wrap soon but i really love what you guys are doing here uh, oh, I you. love that we're taking immersion. Uh, I love the immersion nation concept. I love that you guys are taking immersion theater very seriously and experiential theater. I think it's very important for people because right now the value of watching things have never been lower. We have phones. We have so many things that give us TV uh, at the t- touch of a button and we watch things so much to sit there and watch a play and then pe- realize that people are going to go home and watch a movie after that or, or a TV show or a something to go to bed is sad. Yeah. And what people need more than ever is experiences. And I, I see this incredible growing community of people doing this in LA and Denver. And of course you got meow wolf and sleep no more. Uh, you have, you know, evermore, uh, you have the void, you have so many things, people that are really working on this concept because I think it's important. So I think what you do is important. And I, I wanted to tell you a little round of applause there. Thank you. (laughs) Well, well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, I think that what's happening with immersion right now is incredibly exciting, but to kind of touch on those more serious aspects with, you know, just the way that people could actually use these type of experiences in their lives. I think that we're just starting to realize the true level of kind of potential that immersive theater, immersive yeah. entertainment truly has and what it can do for those who partake. Cause it's life changing. It's, it's life changing. It's not yeah. just fun. It's also incredibly fun, but yeah. it's life changing. Um, and yeah, anyway, thank you very much for saying that. So as uh, we wrap up here, because we are um, running out of time, unfortunately, I've enjoyed this conversation immensely. <laughs> I can be back on some other time. Uh, that would Figure be fantastic. Out. That would be fantastic. Um, but for the moment, um, is there anything that you'd like to ask or recommend to our audience um, as, uh, as we wrap up here? So, um, you know, just keep listening to this. That would be exciting. Um, and <laughs> obviously go to our shows. Uh, the two plugs I like to do is we do a podcast um, called the American Immersion Theater Podcast on acting. Uh, Excellent it's, it's again, gear, uh, geared towards acting. Uh, there's a lot on there of immersion because obviously that's what we do but there's a lot on there in film and other things just kind of psychology if that's something yeah yeah there's definitely some in psychology um we kind of bounce between interview things and then actually just talking about the psychology of what we do and Mm -hmm. um trying to figure that out so uh we have that um that i like to do and then if you want to check out what we do and you're not sure you can always just search any of the company names uh gr improv grimprov.com we'll get you mm-hmm. to the murder mystery company so we'll just mm-hmm. typing in the murder mystery company typing in famous for a day typing in the princess party company typing in the superhero experience typing in 
What am I left? Atmospheric Entertainment, Famous for a Day, any of those. Uh, just check us out. We'd love to do a show for you. We're in basically every city. We're in 25 major cities, uh, and we cover really everywhere unless you're in Wyoming. But my secret suspicion is nobody lives in Wyoming. <laughs> nobody. Uh, I have, it, I have just never the Tetons met... and, yeah. and the Jackson Hole, which is yeah. sometimes a thing. There's a it's Garfield a episode a that says <laughs> Wyoming is Italian for no state here. Uh, <laughs> It's just a hole, uh, and it's where our trash goes, I think. That's probably what. Oh, no. It's like a trash hole. That's my, that, no oh. offense, Wyomingians. In all seriousness, though, if you ever get the chance to check out the Grand Teton Range, one of the most amazing natural, natural immersive experiences. Kind of a different yeah. variety there, but. God's immersive experience. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, all right. And then from there, where can people find you if they want to reach out or just ping uh, out? What yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't do a lot of, I'm not a big Instagram fan because just pictures and uh you know i think it's just looking at hot people for the most part uh the engagement seems low um you can find me on social media facebook uh the murder mystery uh, sorry i'm so used to saying that you can find me at scott crampton uh you can look me up i'm usually the first scott crampton to appear basically anything uh mm-hmm. crampton is spelled c-r-a-m-t-o-n uh, but ultimately, just engage with us through, you know, social media, the American Immersion Theater on Facebook or the Murder Mystery Company. Those are really where you'll find the best engagements. You can follow me and be my friend. Certainly, uh, if you have acting advice, you can always reach out to me on my generic email, which is murdermysterydetective at gmail.com. Um, and if you're one of the, if you're a Nigerian prince, I have some money for you oh, uh, that I've been hoping that you'll exchange for more money somehow. <laughs> well, once again, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you being willing to come on. Um, it's been a lovely chat. And in conclusion, of course, I do have to say, if anybody out there knows how to make a chocolate river, please reach out to us. It's vitally important. <laughs> please. Thank you for listening to the Immersion Nation podcast. Everything that we mentioned in the show, and even a few relevant tidbits that didn't find their way into our conversation, can be found in the show notes at immersionnation.com slash podcast. Any thoughts or feedback you might have on the show are always incredibly helpful. If there's anything you'd like to hear more of, less of, anyone in particular you think we should have on the show, feedback is always helpful and appreciated. And with that, I'd like to say thank you once again for listening. Thank you.